It's time to get on the ice. Music City Gold is on the air. With Kyle Hancock, Daniel Mangrum, and Matt Bain. We are Smashville's best fan-driven podcast. Featuring news around the league, the Predators, and the occasional hot take or two. Part of the Penalty Box Radio Network, you're listening to Music City Gold. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. I am your host, Kyle. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Daniel and Matt. Hello. Hey, guys. Boys, playoff hockey time. Literally the best time of year for hockey. Doesn't matter what team you're a fan of, whether you like hockey or not, playoff hockey is just a great thing to watch. Let me tell you, it's been ramping up, too. Matt and I got to watch a couple of the final games, the Preds, and it was just that playoff intensity feel, and it has finally arrived. Fans are now arriving back in the arenas. You get to see them on TV, on the screen. You hear all of the intensity. The players are feeding off of it. Man, the best time of year has finally arrived. And yeah, let me tell you, they didn't waste any games because it's been ramping up with all the divisional play. Your first round, second rounds, all divisions. So you've been seeing the fights happening. You've been seeing the first three games all went to OT, baby. It, the high-intensity actions on the ice from game one, I really love that they didn't waste any time as you're getting right to business. Yeah, up until the Preds game, all the games were decided by one goal. I, I mean, it, it's been absolutely some of the best hockey to watch. Seeing the fans reacting to it, getting back into it. it I'm just so happy it's back. So what you're telling me is the Preds lost by a higher margin than any other team so far in the playoffs. Oh, Yes which we'll get to later in that could episode. be some foreshadowing. I don't know. I'm just saying. No, it definite foreshadowing. <laughs> let me tell you. So, and we have uh, some hot takes on that, especially with the lineup decisions. So, um, we'll, 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 we'll get into that as Matt's shaking his head already uh, later, but we do want to briefly recap all the games that we actually got to watch so far. And let me tell you, I've got to watch actually a lot of hockey and it's been pretty fantastic. And as of this episode, we're basically going to be going over our bracket picks as well. This is normally a single episode, but we've been very busy this year. Um, so we're going to kind of recap everything and kind of go through every matchup and see kind of where the picks lie. And spoiler alert, it's basically Matt and I versus Kyle this year. So, Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure how this happened, but apparently I... No collaboration. No collaboration, which you guys have very, very similar brackets, which... We've so, also they're identical, Kyle. <laughs> like they are literally identical. Hey, great minds think alike, baby. So uh, the only thing we differed on was the games. So unfortunately, um, I, I guess it's just going to be Matt and I beating you over our stats to justify our picks tonight. So we'll we'll see how this yeah, episode goes. Yeah, tonight's <laughs> going to be the the ultimate justification for your picks. You got to explain it. I'll I'll let you uh, pick whoever you want, but I got to hear a good reason to uh, you know. Is that why you put ten dollars on the table this time? Yes, that, that's right. The money puck has been fed. That's right. Ten bucks under the table right now. Uh, it's going to be again this year. Me taking Kyle's money. We need to get the uh, the going tally for how many years who wins. I think. Uh, last year, did I win? You won last year. You won last year. I think you won the year before. With the lowest points. Yeah. 2017, I definitely won. Yeah. We're tied. I know that. And I won, the, I won the year before that. So yeah. I've actually won two, but I actually well, haven't been doing it. you don't about, got any money I, I don't on have the puck, the, though. So just between Kyle and Matt, I think Matt is up. Oh, that sounds about right. Of course, let him say he's up, <laughs> even though we're more than likely probably tied. <laughs> nah. So we'll go ahead and start in the Honda West Division. First game we've got is Colorado, which is the number one seed versus St. Louis Blues, which are the number four seed. And guys, 
Did you see that fight between Landon Scott and Shin the other day? Oh, yeah. Good tilt. Good tilt. Let me tell you, as the clock expired, Bennington is going over to Grubauer, and I thought there was going to be a goalie fight. The ref's breaking it up. I'm like, man, this is what we want to see. Like, you knew that the... (sighs) You knew that the Blues were kind of outmatched going into this series. I mean, like, I say kind of, but a lot. That said, you know they were going to try to bring the physical edge to things to try to be the equalizer. Well, it was not enough last night. And the sad part is, too, Bennington made an excellent save on Rantanen on a two-on-zero, practically, with the goalie. And this game could have been even worse. Colorado looked fantastic. They continue their hot streak going into the playoffs. And I'm sorry... I don't think the Blues really have a leg to stand on at this point in time. You know, the cup run with Bennington kind of dried out. You, you know, it's he's still playing okay, but uh, I mean, I picked Colorado four in my bracket. I'm sorry. Like, I, that was the only series that I picked four on. Normally, I always pick five or six in all of mine because statistically, it's going to be a five or six game series. I picked four. Um, I know Matt picked actually more, so I'd love to hear the justification on why he picked more. But that said, this is looking like it could be a very quick series. Well, uh, who did you pick on this, Kyle? I picked Colorado, and I picked him in five. Because yeah. I would want to give benefit doubt that the Blues can probably kind of grind a win out. Right. Uh, so it's pretty unanimous. We all have Colorado in this series. But what I think is, is interesting is Daniel has him in a sweep, and I have him going seven I went, games. I just went for like, extra points on that one uh, okay. that statistically like i said i normally pick five or six yeah. that's just me you just want to try to get an edge i just could, was trying to way. do whatever that's not like i said that's very statistically unlikely for a sweep but we'll yeah. see what happens so my justification for why i chose seven which is you're going to see this year you know i love to geek out about the stats so this year i went stats heavy i made no heart picks i i had a stat and a justification for every every choice I made. Sometimes you kind of go by the seat of your pants and what you're feeling at the moment. You know, I saw uh, Boston ha- was like half the roster was injured last week coming in the playoffs. I'm like, oh my god, I might have to change my picks because Boston's hurt. But end up they're they're pretty much full full health again. They just have one or two small name players out. But anyway, back to uh, back to Colorado. If you actually look at the season series between Colorado and St. Louis, they played eight times, and Colorado has won five out of eight so that's really not uh, it's not a sweep if you look at that that way so how i justify seven games was this is how i did all of my matchups i look at the win percentage per season series so colorado has won five out of eight which means they have a 62 percent win percentage over the other team and i looked at how many how many games it would take statistically for them to reach four wins AKA, this is basically how Matt and I got our same, like our picks are identical. I just went for gold as far as the amount of games. That's the, our differing factor. But literally, that's also what I did is I went back and looked at the series, basically the, you know, the eight games that they played, which we had a lot of stats this year. Let's be honest. I mean, we had eight games for every opponent. But my problem is too, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little later, you know, once we get into our conference final, like the conference finals, you got nothing. Because these are going to be two teams that didn't even play this year. You see what I mean? Like, so basically, once you get to the conference finals, you can throw stats out the window and you got to, I mean, you can kind of approximate it, but I, at the same time, too, like you have nothing to go on for this season. Um, so I, I thought that was very interesting this year while picking my bracket. So your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, 
I think we all pretty much agree uh, the President's Trophy winning team this year is Colorado. They're the hottest team. So I, I understand, and I really don't fault you for picking a sweep because the Blues are, you know, not exactly the hottest team, you know. But uh, I think the stats are going to be closer as far as uh, wins than people think based on the season series, actually. Now, what happens if Rantanen, McKinnon, or Lenskog get injured? Uh, well, yeah, that's that's always a huge factor with this team. They're extremely top-heavy, but uh, they've... I you know assuming everything's fine with that I think they have got a a good chance at, at making a deep run this year for sure. Yeah, I, I mean I I think this is their year. This this has to be their year. I mean spoiler alert for me like I I picked the Avs to win. And I keep saying this they've been building 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 this is definitely their year. Like they are built to win this year and if they can't get it done or some injuries come up then it is going to be very unfortunate. I mean very unfortunate because they look really really good i i got to catch like two of their final games and there was one against the kings now the kings are garbage but it was like a flipping passing clinic like pinpoint accuracy it was like all tic-tac-toe plays i'm sitting there and i'm like they've got the defense this year the biggest thing about colorado is they have the goaltending this year to back it up that has been their biggest sore spot and grubauer has actually been very hot like almost Almost in Vesna, um, there, there's some people putting him like fifth and fourth in the Vesna race. So that said, they have solid goaltending, and then on top of it, <laughs> they have studs on the on the defensive side, and then you know that top line is just going to tear people apart, as we already know. So that said, you know uh, I'm still liking uh, Colorado in this series, and uh, they're my pick to win it all this year. So a little spoiler alert for me, but hey. Now let's move on down to the other half of the Honda West bracket, and that is going to be the Vegas Golden Knights versus the Minnesota Wild. And Oh, yeah, baby. For this one, I picked Vegas. So I was a little torn at first, but then uh, kind of as Matt alluded to, I started digging into the season stats. So I, let me tell you, the Wild have played Vegas extremely tight, and this has been the one team that has actually been a thorn in their side during the, the regular season. Uh, outside of everybody else. You got your hot rookie coming up. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's just, I just labeled this one as an upset, and I picked the Wild in seven. I picked the Wild in seven, guys. And here's the deal. They come out, and they get the first win on the road in a 1-0 game that was basically highlighting a goaltending matchup. It was absolutely incredible. Flurry, I'm sorry. Flurry kept this game close. This game should have been four or five to zero because he had four or five point blank saves. He had several that were on Sports Center the the night after. I mean, like glove saves. He was doing it all. Pad stacks. You know, like I, I mean, he he was literally everywhere. Hartman had like six scoring chances himself. The Preds B team, by the way, it's got Hartman, Benino. Oh, he was yeah, he was crushing it that night. Yeah, yeah. Hartman, Benino, Fiala. So it's just it just cracks me up seeing their team. It makes me wonder, seeing you know what we jokingly call Minnesota's team, the Preds B team, if that if we kept Hartman and Fiala in Nashville, how good they could have actually been. I, yeah. I don't know. It was one of those like I feel like the course had ran out on their timing. Uh, I, the Fiala one kind of stings a little bit because he goes up there in that first season, like you know he he's lighting it up pretty well. He's cooled off a little since then, and now it's all you know Kiprusov, uh, practically. Um, I, I don't know, like, 
it's one of those things like hindsight's twenty twenty, you know, but at the same time too, I don't think he's been lighting it up as much this year. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very excited that I picked the wild. This was definitely a risky pick considering that basically the Knights were right behind the Avs to win the president's trophy. I mean, it came down to the last game and that's why I was very leery to pick the upset on this one, but this is one that I felt confident in with the season stats. Yeah, well, to your point you mentioned earlier, the uh, Vegas is only 3-4-1 and four and one against Minnesota. They have a losing record against Minnesota as opposed to everybody else they played this year. They have 37-10-1. to 10 to 1. They have a, over a 3-1 to 1 margin, and then they're less than 1-1 one to 1 on Minnesota. So, unfortunately, we talk about, oh, you know, who do the Preds favor in a draw? Well, unfortunately, Vegas was the second hottest team in the league all year. They were the presidents, you know, on the top spot for a while. They just so happen to draw the one team in their division that seems to have their number. And and that kind of sucks, but, you know, I, I could see how anybody would pick Vegas, especially seeing how hot they are overall. But again, it's not about which team is is overall better. It's about the specific matchups. And this is where the stats get into it. You're looking at the four check numbers. You're looking at power Dude, play, stuff like that. Four check, they were all over. And they had 71 hits in the game. Yeah. That's, I mean, crushing. Yeah, and I knew I, I just knew watching this game how it was going to go. I was like, you know, Mark Andre Fleury, he's going to play out of his mind. And he's going to lose the game, giving up one goal. And sure enough, that's what happened. You just got your team's got to perform better than that. I mean, I know they got their number, but yeah, it, it's not going to surprise me at all. This will be a very likely upset to happen. I think Minnesota is going to end up taking uh, them. The pressure's on them too because obviously losing the first game on their you know in their own barn. Uh, if they lose again tonight. Watch out. Like, I, I mean, you're basically digging yourself a hole that obviously they're a very talented team. They can come back, but at the same time, too, you don't want to do that in the playoffs. So, that said, um, very interested in that one. Um, but uh, I'm definitely glad I picked the wild. That was a, a risky and wild pick, you might say. But at the same time, too, it's it's working out so far. So, we'll, we'll see. Once again, it's just Matt and I versus Kyle. So, yeah, Kyle. Now we'll go up to the North Division, and who is the sponsor for this division? I always keep forgetting. Let's see who this sponsor mm, is. Yeah. Scotia Bank. Scotia Bank. No Ooh, wonder, because no we don't have Scotia Bank down here at all. But guys, the North hasn't even played a game yet. <laughs> if you're listening to, to this on a Wednesday, congratulations, North Division. You're going to finally get your playoff game started, because we had to wait for Vancouver to finish up their games against the Flames so we could start. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, we can't go over any games right here, but we can kind of talk over our pick. So the first round matchup is the one and four seed. That's Toronto and the the uh, Habs. There, I uh, definitely have picked Toronto. Uh, I'm sorry, that's uh, they just look too strong. I think the Habs kind of struggled going into the playoffs too. It was one of those things they kept losing and they actually gave the flames like a legitimate, like 1% chance to get in that last week. And I'm just like, just like it, it blew my mind. Like they struggled to get into the playoffs. So that said, definitely went with Toronto. I like Mitch Marner. I like Austin Matthews. They got the firepower. I, I think it's going to be way too much for them. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's my pick for that one. Well, this for me, is going to be an upset pick simply because my in-laws live... Hey, this is a heart pick. Right oh, here. yeah, here's some oh. stats here. Oh. They live near Montreal. Let me get the tissues. And my father-in-law is a big Montreal fan, so I was like, you know what? I need to pick at least one genuine 
matchup that could be an actual legit upset. And I was like, Toronto versus Montreal, because this is the first time, and I think like over 30 years, I think it was 1979, I believe, was the last time they both played each other in the playoffs. So there's some old blood yeah, here. It's been a while. And I can yeah, just give Im- me some juice for sure. And I can just imagine if Montreal does come out and beat Toronto, Toronto will flip their lid. Yeah. I just want Toronto to lose at some point just so they. Yeah, well, I, just I don't want Toronto to win because, because all their fans <clears throat> are whiny. Yeah, they're, I'm they're sorry. like, uh, yeah, they got the silver spoon in their mouth. They got three players worth, you know, half the country's GP. Like, I mean, come on. Yeah, it's, it's unreal. But, and then the funny part is they stack that whole lineup and then, like, you know, like the Islanders start having success too after. Yeah. It's just, anyway. But uh, as far as upset go, I got this as one of the easiest series. Yeah. Uh, I, I got Toronto. This is going to be no problem. I don't think Montreal is going to pose any threat. The season series is uh, Toronto took seven out of ten. They played ten times, so uh, I think they're going to. It's going to be a steamroller for them. I like to see them not make it too far because I think the Toronto people got a little too big for their britches. But uh, I think yeah. I picked Toronto in five. So yeah, I yeah, mean, I I, I, I I doubled down on this for sure. Yeah, I, I at least envision this one is going to be one of the one of the uh, I guess easiest matchups on paper. But you know, we say that, but this is where the playoffs get interesting. You know, the stats don't matter. You can throw it all out the window. The the points don't matter, as they say, and uh, we'll see what happens. So I had Montreal in six. So nope. I figured they'd give a little bit of a fight. But let's go on to the next matchup in the Scotia North Division, which is number two Edmonton versus number three Winnipeg, and I picked Edmonton in six games to take this. I pick Edmonton in five. In retrospect, I should have probably done six. I was thinking the Jets might pull off another one, but they've also had some injuries crop up, so I felt a little better about that kind of going into this matchup. Connor McDavid's been on a tear, okay? Like, absolute tear the last, like, 15 games to get to that 105 points in in the season. First of all, let's just... Can we just stop and take a moment in? He got 105 points this season in just 56 in games 56 games <laughs> yeah i'm trying to find i got a stat on it he i have to look it up how far above the other players if you look at player other than his line mate he's like 20 plus points above anybody oh, it's, else in it's the league. even further than that i got it i'll pull it up really quick it's really funny though like how much it's better 105, he is yes. and the dry sidles behind him at and 84, then there's a huge then, drop off a, a huge drop off to brad marchand at 69 so that's 30 marchand yeah, yeah that's more more than 30-point uh, margin above the next best player. That's not his line. Mate, oh, I so thought speak. you were talking about the players. I was like, I was like, next player no. after Drysaw was Tyson Berry. We're, we're talking no. about Brad Marchand. You know, you guys like to hate him. He's my boy, but he's sneakily had, you know, had the, a really good year. the best year except for <laughs> Connor McDavid and company. But uh, yeah. yeah, I just had to throw that out there. 105 points. I mean, come on. That's that's one of the best seasons we've We've that's seen one of the best showings years, yeah. in a long time, and, and you got to think too, like especially with how intense the competition is in the league, that is flipping impressive. Like I, I, I get my hats off to him, yeah, and he's looked is, incredible. This so. is one of those stats where, yeah, I'm picking Edmonton to win. If you look at the season series, they've won seven out of nine, so that's pretty conclusive. And this is the time where you know this is the Connor McDavid show. He's having the hottest year of his career. And he's not going to be stopped this year, at least not in the North. The North, you remember how we've had conversation about the Central is the Central bottom uh, heavy where like the top two teams really feed or like feed off the bottom feeders or, you know, eat off the bottom feeders. I I feel like the North is kind of like that. They kind of feed off the weak teams. So their numbers are somewhat inflated, 
And, and if you look at the season series, yeah. it, it kind of it Winnipeg's at the bottom, man. I, and, and so I don't think they pose much of a threat on top of Connor McDavid being so hot. I think if he doesn't make it past the first round this year, then he's got to be out of, yeah. of Edmonton, man. I, I think my problem is too, like I think Edmonton's winning this, but they're going to meet a really hot Toronto team as well. Oh, oh yeah, and that's my thing. And yeah. that, like that's my problem is Toronto is a better overall team, and that's yeah. my that's my whole thing is. I'm still picking Toronto to go to the conference final, but it's so sad because if he doesn't make it and win, like at what point does McDavid say, Hey, I'm done here. I want to go actually like win a cup. Yeah. Like that, that's my thing is like, I don't know. Like they just haven't been able to get the defense together in the Oilers locker room for some reason. And they've been doing this for years. It's not, it's not like this has been, like a three or four year thing where they've had the best player, literally number one and number two, essentially the last three years, and they still can't get defensemen in there or goalie. Like I, I don't know what to do at this point. So, um, I'm sorry, but I think it's going to be done after after the Winnipeg series. But I think it's going to be a fun first round matchup. But I'm sorry, Jets are probably going to go home a little early this year. Yeah, I'd just like to see him win win a round. That'd, yeah, that'd one round nice. would be nice, and I think they can yeah. obviously against the Jets. It's, it's got a good matchup for them first round at least. I feel like if they do get knocked out of the first round, and and Connor McDavid says, "Hey, I want out," they're going to have another Wayne Gretzky situation over again. Just burn Canada down. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's one of those things. Like it just cracks me up at this point, but. Uh, but to be fair, Matt, I did watch that video you sent us yesterday about how Wayne Gretzky's trade. Like the after effects are still being felt thirty years later. It's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy that people still keep up with uh, those things. Yeah, I think Daniel is the one who sent that video. That's, <laughs> oh, yes, sorry, sorry, Daniel. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. Matt's over here with those stats. He gets all the credit. Yeah, stat all the man, I get all the credit here. I was but... like, I actually sent that one for once. Come on. So used to seeing Matt going, "Hey guys, look at this really cool stat I found." Yeah, yeah. That you guys sorry. promptly ignore. <laughs> yeah. Well, Matt, then we'll get into something you do like to talk about. Let's talk about Boston versus uh, oh, Capitals. Yes. Yes. yes, this is Kyle. Who did you say earlier today? It was like, oh, this is the best series. Oh, I was like, the best series. Saw so the Boston Washington series is the so best far. series. Screw whatever team you said. This is where it's at, baby. Taylor Hall is here, and we're going far, baby. Yeah, that, you got Alexander Ovechkin lighting oh. up as always. I mean, okay, I will say this. Earlier today, I said probably one of my favorite series to watch has been the Florida Tampa Bay because the first because it's the first time. These two teams have ever met, but you take Washington and Boston and then Florida and Tampa, I'll say that those are I, the two best series to watch so far. I will admit the other night, that game one, Florida, Tampa, you gotta you gotta admit there was some juice in that one. That that there was some animosity. Yeah, there yeah, was some there was. Good Actually, hits. that was the one that, that had was, all the fights. Had yeah. all the fights. That's right. I am I'm definitely glued. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised too because Florida's not like a perennial heavy hitter no, in the postseason no, or anything. I, I don't know where the juice came from. There must have been know. something in the regular season they, I missed. They've been sipping that orange juice in the Sunshine State, but let me tell you that one that one snuck up on me because I wasn't excited about the series until I watched the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I was like, you know, I coming in, I was like Boston, Washington. Oh, this has got some headlines for yeah. me. Like you got Ovi, you got Tom Wilson. I tell you what, you in got, the game <laughs> one, Tom Wilson oh, yeah. is the one who opens up the scoring for all the playoffs. I think, I think he was the first, uh, and Oshie's been clutch, man. He's Oshie been, has he's, been great. He's shown as well. up as well. So, and then Martian comes in game two with that, 
juice. Oh, I'm just like, man, what a shot say, in the OT. I will say, uh, Washington, after that first goal, uh, their goalie, Vaynerchuk, pulls his groin or something, and yeah. he's sitting. So that's not good. That's not what you want to see. But they got, do have Craig Anderson. Yeah. Like, yeah I, oh, by the way, Craig Anderson has the second highest. Uh, let me. I wear it's a stat here. I've got so many stats. It's the second highest save percentage in like in post, all the in playoffs like history. Career. And I'm. I mean, it's a lower sample size, but it just cracked me I, up. I don't care, bro. You just your little guy who I, whose name I don't even know gets hurt, and you just you get to pull in a Craig backup Anderson. goalie who's like the second best playoff goalie of all time on the, under one stat column. Like, what a blessing. Yeah, dude. he's older. I mean, he's I like forty, care. but at the same time. I mean, like, think about it though. If Saros got injured, we have Peck. So I, I mean, yeah. like, that's a great. Yeah, luxury. that was that was a great that's fallback a great option, luxury to have, especially in this particular moment because some goalies don't shine in the playoffs. But this is kind of his specialty. They ended up winning that game. That was game one yeah. too. So very, very good. Now, long term, I don't know because if he's forty and he's starting every game, <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, I think know. that is going to take a toll on the series, which. Well, which, my was, which was my point that, it, that it's really going to harm Washington. I know you got a great fallback guy, but he's not your number one guy. You know, you want to see your number one guy in the net. So I don't know how long. I think they're still undisclosing the injury, but it looked like a bolt growing to me. So we'll see if he gets back in the crease. But if not, that's going to be a huge advantage to Boston. I've noticed Boston's already been destroying them in the faceoff dot. I yeah. don't. It, they they've looked good. Taylor Hall has been on fire. Brad Marchand, of course. Bar Brad Marchand had the uh, absolute beauty in OT. I mean, what a dish too on that one. This I mean, one, this one is like I I love this matchup. We've seen this a couple times before. This one just knew going into it, it's going to be a barn yeah. burner. I, I anticipate the next couple of games the the uh, the hitting and the physicality is going to ramp up even further because this one has got juice, baby. Series is tied at one one. By the way, um, I picked Boston in six. I have Washington in six. Of course you do. Why would well, first of all? Do like we don't even have to like know your right. Like we knew that you were going to pick Washington first round. The, oh, basically, yeah. Washington gets a first round buy for Kyle every year, right? Pretty much, yeah, yeah, just because of Ovi. But uh, what what's the what's the seating? Aren't they like a three and a? It's a two, two and a three, three two and so a three. So they're really close. And, oh, and yeah. if you look at the season series, they went four and four. Yeah, so it, this is going to be great. It's just going to be great, uh, man. I can't wait. It's it's been so good so far. Like I said, and I've already gotten two games in this one. So like Boston definitely stealing one of them. On the road, yeah, it's yeah. going to be huge. That was a good pickup. So uh, I, I still think they're going to pull it out in the end. But uh, man, what a, what a great game so far! Then what about Penguins versus the Islanders? So this one was very interesting. I picked Pittsburgh in six, but my heart was leaning towards the Islanders in this one a little bit, just because of that strong defensive structure that our man. Trotzy has up there and you know he's going to do it and guess what first game they ended up pulling up the upset on the road um it's one of those i'm going to be on the fence for sure i i i still think the penguins can do it i still think they can't by the way it's two to zero in the second game tonight against the islanders so the very strong response from the penguins which they needed to because they needed to win tonight um they could not go down zero and two going two uh, the Islanders barn for two more games. Um, that said, I, I think they're going to pull it out in the end, but I think it's going to be a longer series than I thought. It's going to be six or seven games probably on this one. Uh, very tight the, the defensive structure from the Islanders. Um, you still got Malkin and you know Crosby. Mal Punk, yeah, Malkin's uh, still been hurt though. But that's that's been the one thing that if he can come back and play strong, like I mean, like Kucherov come back. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, but that said, if he can come back strong, 
the Penguins are a team that could be extremely dangerous because right now they're very leaning heavy on Crosby and it's one of those things like you just hope he can continue his pace right now. Um, yes, they are the one seed in that area, but I would not be surprised if the Islanders somehow pull off an upset on this one. I'm just saying. I got uh, a couple stats I'll rattle off, just some notes I watched with game one and what have you. Uh, so we mentioned, you know, Malkin's still hurt, and their uh, Islanders goalies hurt too. Varlamov was not in net game one. I think he's in net tonight, I heard uh, Coach say. He said, well, actually, I don't. he said he's going to have a Russian in net, which uh, his backups are Russian too, so it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, the Sorokin guy who played in game one, he has no playoff experience, so that's a massive disadvantage considering Varlamov's been, now, uh, you know, like a 9-2-9 save percentage. The Islanders still don't have Anders Lee. Yep. What else did I have? Uh, if you look at the season series, Pittsburgh won six six and two. Uh, but uh, watching game one, you know, as as we all know, Islanders not just are a good defensive team. But Pittsburgh is the number two offensive team, yeah. and and Islanders happen to be the number two defensive team. So that's kind of like an interesting juxtaposition going back and forth. And you notice, like in that game one. Islanders couldn't capitalize. They had a four-minute power play, and they couldn't capitalize, even though the Penguins happened to really... Their Achilles heel really is their PK. They're, they suck on PK. and But I will say, one one scouting report, or it will be a scouting report if it wasn't going into the game, is that Tristan Jari got roasted he three got times on the glove side. Yeah, it was bad. So I don't know if that was like a... You know, it was noticeable too in that game. Like we kept saying, we in our group text were like glove side, glove side. Uh, I mean, it, it was becoming a trend. Yeah, that game for sure. And and compare that with uh, so that scouting report might prove advantageous for the Isles. And as well as what's interesting is the winner in the o, in the first game, the OT was Kyle Palmieri, who yeah. was a trade line uh, deadline pickup. Yeah, and uh, that what a piece to add to the puzzle right there. That looks great for the Isles. So I will say, you know, on paper they look like they're going to get they're going to bite the dust in this series, but they've got a couple little advantages that really can sneak up on the on the Penguins. I think. Well, winning game one helps on the road. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's I mean that's uh, just a that was a odds. statement. Seventy two hits by the Islanders that first game. By the way, that is a very defensive minded trotsy team. Let me tell you, and like you said. One of the best defense versus one of the best offense. So this is going to be a, a sneakily good series, I felt like. Yeah, I that agree. Kinda, this is a sleeper series. Uh, that kind of just snuck up on everybody. But I, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised. I picked the Penguins still. Like I said, that was my pick. But I would not be shocked if the Islanders pulled yeah. up the the upset on this one. Now we'll move down into the Central. Like we talked about briefly when we mentioned the Capitals and the Bruins, we have the Florida versus Tampa Bay, number two versus number three C. The first time, boys, these two teams have ever played each other in the playoffs, and it's turned out to be quite a fun game. Yeah, who'd have known it? Two Florida teams in the playoffs. Yeah, and the Sunshine State, man, like I said, they've been sipping that orange juice. Playing um, hockey. They know they had the ice down there. Let me tell you, actually, ironically enough, the Preds, Canes, and the Lightning Panthers are first-time series. So the Central is both first-time matchups, and honestly... Like, I've been pretty excited about both because, like, you know, as far as, like, if you can classify, like, misfit clubs in the league, the Preds and usually the Hurricanes are the two that always get, you know, doted upon. Uh, I mean, let's be honest because they have the bunch of jerks thing. You know, like, we have calf. Yeah, it, it, it's just very funny. It's like the two misfit clubs are fight, fighting each other in the first round and we're, we're actually, like, super excited about it. You know, it's kind of like, okay, cool, like. Uh, it's not like if we were facing Dallas, we would be wanting blood, you know, right. <laughs> like it, it's just one of those things. But, uh, the Tampa lightning series, man, 
they came out wanting blood, let me tell you, because I, I don't even know how many fights there were. There were a couple boarding cars. Duclair got hammered. <laughs> I mean, like, absolutely level. I think it was Bennett. Was it Bennett hitting him? Oh, yeah. Two, I, I mean, that first game had it all. You had a, a very early goal called back after you know, Kyle was, look, he's shaking his head already. I agree with the call that it was a no goal, but... Well, Man, was, this it, the, uh, was this the was this the one? It was the Blake, goalie push. Blake Coleman's goal. Yeah, no, it was Bennett. Oh, sorry, yeah, Bennett. Yeah, Bennett. He pushed the the goalies. Pad. He pushed pushed him off of his crease, basically off. Of, he was holding the. It was barely a push. No, 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 no. No, no you have the okay. The ref said in his little announcement to the stands that the goalie was unable to play his position. But if you go back and watch the replay, the goalie could clearly play his position. Well, he just got tapped he, he a little bit the with the stick. No, he, he said yeah. the wrong. No, he didn't get tapped. He got pushed. The problem was he said the wrong words yeah. on his explanation, and we all agreed on that because that was he was, he was in position. He was, in his position. He, he, he was holding the post with the skate blade, and then that poke check or whatever it yeah. was knocked him off his post, which is what allowed the goal to go in. Goaltender interference. That's what that's what, what goaltender <laughs> interference is called. Yeah. I know it's that's kind of like a a gray area these days, but I think we are. I wouldn't say unanimous. Once again, there's still some controversy here. But I agree with you though. He said. Like, that's the wrong definition because yeah. he literally said, can't play his position. I'm like, he's in position. Okay, like, just call it goaltender interference. Move on. Honestly, if it had been goaltender interference, I would have been okay. It just... Kyle's a, over here with the semantics. He's got his rule book out. He's like, this should have been goaltender interference well, instead. Well, I mean, that's what Toronto does every season. I know. It doesn't matter what playoff game it is. All of a sudden, it's like throughout the regular season, goaltender interference kind of has a black and white definition, but as soon as you get into the playoffs, it's completely... We have no idea what goaltender interference is. But yeah, anyways. That should have just been called goaltender interference. So When I look at this game, I look at it as the Panthers are the little brother and the Lightning are the big brother. And I think, to me, the Panthers are trying to prove that they are relevant in the state of Florida when it comes to terms to hockey. Here's the deal. The Panthers just got to stay out of the box. Okay? They got lit up. They had three, I think it was three, let's three out of four. Three out of four. So they were 75% on the power play. And guess who comes off the bench? Kucherov, having not played for like basically the entire season. He didn't and play he a single two, game. And two power play goals. Uh, I saw someone online post that, you know, that gif of the wrestler where he's like got his fake leg up and then he pulls his like the, the, the blanket off and he just stands straight up. Kyle knows what I'm talking about. Like that. That's basically what Kucherov has been doing. He's been like, psych, I've actually been good like probably a month ago, and I've just been chilling out on the sideline, and he comes up and just roasts them. And then, So, I mean, you you got your heavy hitters. Kucherov, two goals. Braden Point with two goals. And he has this sweet, sweet one-on-one. Like, first of all, scouting report, don't let Braden Point have a breakaway with one minute left in the game because he's going to be clutch. Yeah. And he was clutch. And I'm like, this game had it all. I had the fights. It ha- it was literally back and forth the entire game. I-, I mean, it was like a pendulum. Boom, 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 boom. You had all your fights. Man, this I, one snuck up on me as a good series. Like, this is probably, my, like I said, it's up there with the Boston-Washington series for me. For this one, though, I picked Florida to win. I picked Florida in seven games, actually. So, we all agree. We all did. We did all you, how many agreed. games did you pick? I think I did six. Let's I did see. seven. You probably did one off for me. Yeah, I think if there's any game that's going to go seven, this is the most likely, most probable at least. This is this is close. If you look at the season series, uh, Florida went five and three against the Lightning. I expected uh, I actually expected Tampa Bay to have a higher uh, 
win percentage against Florida. I was surprised to see that uh, Florida has won the majority of yeah, the Florida, game. Florida has. That's why I went with them in six. But like I said, now that Kucherov came back and he's looking hot, I will. I will tell you, not we, feeling too hot with my pick right now because honestly, I feel like this one has the lightning. I, I, I could see the lightning winning this in six or seven. But Kucherov can also get hurt again. Oh, I yeah. know. It was so well, Stamkos. So too. Stamkos. He just got you know came back a while ago. But we were talking about that Sam Bennett guy the other day. You know, we were talking about how that he's got that sweet mustache going on. Yeah. And, you know, I was like, man, that reminds me of that guy. Remember, I used to have him on my phone, the guy with the big mustache winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, forget the you guy's name. Sam? <laughs> no. Uh, oh, God. I'm going to get roasted for not knowing the guy's name. I used to have him. He was a Stanley Cup winner yeah. for the Calgary. Played on Crispy's team. Oh, Lonnie. Lonnie. Yes. Lonnie. That's right. And uh, this Sam Bennett guy used to play for Calgary, actually. So I wonder if he's got a little bit of heritage with that team and repping the um, mustache. I that was just, Crispy's Stanley Cup team. That's so, right. That's it's right. Such a good, like, yeah. it's great memories and ties for local Preds fans. So yeah, sidebar. But uh, we kind of root for the mustache between Forsberg and you know this guy. We're we're a mustache. Mustache look great. He's got the handlebar going. He's got it curled up a little bit. He looks like a little wizard out there, so it's 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 been looking good. I will say that uh, who's uh, is it the Islanders that aren't allowed to have facial hair because uh, they have that GM right now, Lou Lamorello, and now that the playoffs are on, they're allowed to not shave as of like Friday, or last Friday or whatever. Once they started making the playoffs, they're allowed to grow their facial hair out. So they're going to be bushy if yeah, they keep. Going. I can't imagine. <laughs> I was thinking, what if Joe Thornton, you know, got traded? Would he like put on his no move trade clause? Like, don't send me on the ten teams uh, t- trade list. Don't send me to the Islanders. Don't send me anywhere Lou is because I'm not shaving my beard. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. That's, Sorry, sidebar, but uh, yeah, that's funny though. I didn't even think about that. But you know, talking about Philip Forsberg's mustache is a great intro into this. Prads Carolina game. So basically, segue. Yes, it's a segue. <laughs> but see, I didn't use that word this time. I know it. I know it. That's one thing I tried all this season is to make sure I didn't use that word hardly at all. And I haven't. Still early in the playoffs. Yeah. But guys, what are your thoughts on game one of Canes versus the Preds? Because oh. I honestly picked this as an upset for me. I picked the Preds winning over the Canes. Wow. Okay. Um, well, I figured I knew you were going to do that. Here's the deal. I love Preds, and we've been hot coming in. But if there's one team that I did not want to get matched up in the first round, it was the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh <laughs> okay. yeah, like I, I, I'm sorry, like they they've killed us the last since 2017. It is well documented that, and we got the monkey off our back. We got those last two wins going into the into the postseason. But one of those games was kind of like the B teams. You know, and then the game before that, they actually did. We, I will admit, we started both A teams because they were still in the President's Cup race, and we did pull off a win. But that was the second win since 2017. All I'm hearing, I, mean, I hear those stats. I'm going to raise you Kyle's point. Yeah, the season series went six and two, but the Predators are on a two game win streak against a team they haven't beat but one time in three years. So the stats don't lie, baby. No. Yeah, I, I, I picked, uh, by the way, I picked the Canes in five. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I love the Predators, okay? I've been a fan no, since I've five. I, I'll say, you know, we, we talked about the, but you know, I, the dream team, that you know, the 2017 comparisons with the Blues, what was it, like two years ago? I'll say this. Yeah, there could this, be a, this Carolina team's better than the Blackhawks team, and by far, it well, is. I, not I know. A, I know they're better, but the question is, we're talking about the fairy tale ending. You know, we're talking about the 2017 run with a bunch of scrubs that didn't belong in the playoffs. We're talking about the Blues. <laughs> 
going from zero to hero and winning the cup, baby. I would say, of course, Carolina's the best team. They're like the second best team in the freaking league. Yeah, I know. But the point is, if Nashville can make it out around one, baby, I'm oh. putting some money on them winning the cup. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. If they the can make it thing. out around <laughs> one, bro, out around they've one. got what it takes. I know, but that is my problem is <laughs> I don't think they can make it out around one. So, like they lit, and let, Let's just go back to the game, okay? They got absolutely, it's funny, we, we've got some major talking points. Let's just drop the anchor right here for this one. Let's talk about the lineup decisions going into game one because I about had a meltdown probably three to four hours before the game when I started seeing some of this garbage posted. And I'm sorry, like some people were like, oh, whatever about it and trying to tiptoe around it. No, I'm not going to tiptoe around it. I'm sorry. Tolvanen and Fabro sitting on the bench. You got a top four defenseman who's played who's getting sat for like Dan Harper and then like 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 how can you even fathom to do that and then on top of it your power play has already been struggling a little bit and you take out the one guy the one guy who has been destroying it on the power play and do you know what happened that game that power play looked like garbage we couldn't even get a zone entry i don't even know well first of all i don't even know if tovenin in there would have helped with the zone entries but that said like you got to at least have your weapon on there to give you the best chance on that power play because th- you just squandered away three or four power play opportunities that night because you did nothing on them and you had your best person on the power play sitting on the bench. So it's interesting. So obviously, as you say, Daniel, and actually on Twitter, you can see it too. A lot of people were very upset by the fact that Tolvanen wasn't there, Fabro wasn't there. And then, dude, that third line was atrocious. Harpoor and Grindelberg. It was just terrible. But after the game, Heinz said, quote, we have a lot of guys who have made cases for themselves to play. And obviously the group tonight didn't get it done. <laughs> yeah, Good call, talk coach. about cases to play. You mean cases with like the leader of your team in goals? Like, is that enough of a case for you to sit your, you know, your star player? Look, it's even better. He then goes on to say, we have some guys who are not in the lineup that we know are ready to play and can really contribute. So that's part of the process. No, what that's process? that's bullcrap. There's no process, bro. You no. s- you you play your best players. This again got me very pissed off with yeah. the, the Johns Hines, you know, roster decision moves that was famous like two or three years ago. Come on, man, give me a break. Here's the deal: like, I'll give him credit for the buttons and the lineup changes that he me- made to get us to the playoffs. But these were the opposite decisions. Like they were. They were counter to what yeah. he was doing. Like that's that's my whole thing. Like he put Tolvin in the lineup and he started to thrive, but then he takes him out for the playoffs. That that yeah. that doesn't really make a lot of sense. I know the last several games Tolvin hasn't had his point production wise hasn't been, but he's also been checking really well. He's been finishing pucks. You know, like getting things deep into the neutral zone. Like I I, I don't get it. Like at this point, like I said, to do that to have Branson out there instead of Fabro or Ben Harper instead of Fabro. He's a top four. He's literally a top four defenseman, and you did not even put him on there. You have Ferriance in the wing, who might be, I think, is he actually healthy now? You could have put him on there, too. I, I mean, like, it, there's, like, so many options. Drop Alexander Carrier down to the third pair, put Ferriance in there, and put Fabro up on the on the second pair where he belongs with Ekholm. Like, it does not make any sense. Like, and then, on top of it, they decide to put um, uh, Olivier back in the lineup after injury and there goes Tolvanen <laughs> like like that's my whole thing is like Tanner Janot had really good chemistry on that bottom herd line leave him there like 
I understand what he was trying to do. He was wanting that gritty physical game. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're going to go in and we're going to forecheck and we're yeah. going to... Guess what? We got out hit, by the way. He wanted a gritty physical game and then we ended up getting out forechecked because we had no, no one in there that could basically stack up with the speed because when they dumped it in, they were on us. Aho blew past... I don't know how many defenders. Who was that last? Was it Gabranson? It, it was either. Grandin- I think it was Gabranson because yeah. he literally got blown past. And the only reason why it wasn't a goal was because Sorrow saved his butt. Like he bailed him out. So watching that game last night, uh, Matt, I was telling Dan before we started, periods two and three, I haven't felt that much anxiety watching a game because not only was it going so fast, you could just tell the Preds could not keep up in any form or fashion from the forecheck to the skating. And I was just like, I'm sitting there watching it and my wife's going, or she's like, why are you so tense? I'm like, there's a goal coming any second and I don't know where it's coming from, but I know one is coming. Yeah. I, again, I go back to, I'm still looking at this, you know, as my boy, I'm mad. Ely Tolvanen has as many points as Ryan Johansson is only played and played in 20% less games than Johansson. And yet you've got him sitting out. Oh, Rocco, Rocco Grimaldi sitting too. Yeah, and, and Rocco. That just I don't understand. I, like I said, I've mentioned this before. It's kind of obvious. Okay, if you you can lose, you know, Forberg, if Forsberg has a bad night and you lose, okay, he doesn't perform for you. But you know what? God bless, he's on the ice. He's trying. He just had a bad game. But it's really hard to win if you don't have your best pieces. So, <laughs> like, like, like I would get, I understand the decision of putting Gabranson in and that other hitter you guys have, whose name I can't remember at the moment. Jano. Yeah, Jano. Jano has been playing extremely well on the bottom line. That's why I said, and they moved him up a line. Yeah. I, so I get the physicality being a something you're wanting to interject in the lineup, but sitting a skill player when you need goals against a heavy hitting offensive team, I you I would like to hear. I want to hear the justification from the coach about it. You know, like like you said, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, it was the justification for the moves were were starting the youth movement. Okay, that's that's an acceptable answer as long as you have a justification for it. Well, sitting your skilled players, I, I have to hear the answer because you know, sitting him for these other guys is not going to cut it. So the the two moves that absolutely have to happen in my mind is Gabranson out, Fabro in move him up with Ekholm. So you solidify your top four defensemen who've literally paid your top four defensemen almost the entire season. Anyway. Yeah, and you, you're you, not you're not known for your physicality. You're not gonna I don't I don't understand it. way faster than Gru Branson. Yeah. I don't like, understand what the what the physicality really brings to the table, uh, you know, honestly. Well, well it helps you outlast teams, but it doesn't help get pucks to the back of the net. Well Fabro's a more offensive minded defenseman. He's way faster than Grubranson. He can actually keep up with like, you know, like some of these charts. I mean, Gabranson looked like he literally was nailed to the ice when Aho flew, flew past him. Like, and I understand Aho's fast, but Fabro in there is going to have a better chance than you know what I mean. Like, that's just where I'm at. Like, we that has to happen. And I'm sorry, you have got to sit. I love Olivier. He has got to sit, and you got to put Tolvanen back in. Like that. Those are the two things that absolutely have to happen for the other game. Oh, by the way, we called up Philip Tomasino for some reason, and he's on practicing with our. But he's not playing. No, he's not going to play. But it just cracks me up that we just keep teasing this. But I'm like, hey, there's a fast young kid that could, you know, possibly no, no. He we won't see him till next year. Like, don't get your hopes up, Preds fans. Like, literally, he's just there for fluff right now. I'm just to see his, I guess, quote unquote, progression in the AHL, which he's been killing it, by the way. But that said, it's one of those. I, I, it was so frustrating for me. And like, like I said, as much credit as John Himes had 
for putting in the pieces that he did to get us to the playoffs. He needs as much criticism for these lineup changes, and he better start looking at making some of these changes before that. Because I mean, you only have so many games, and I don't get that because yeah, like Matt said, you're in the playoffs. You're in a best of seven series, so you will play your best players. The Hines has another quote after the game where he says, "Quote: We're talking about subbing certain guys in, and we can make those decisions. But the players that are in your lineup every night that you count on to play important roles." play big matchups to be difference makers in the game, there need to be elevations in those players. So you're telling me that Tolvanen and Fabro are not elevating their game? Yeah, I, I agree. That's There's some incon, incongruencies with those comments. And here, let's bring up, uh, let's sidetrack to something different. Um, something we haven't mentioned yet is the specialty teams, and this is a, a considerable area of consternation for me. The Preds have got to stay out of the penalty box. They went, surprisingly, 4-for-4 four four on the penalty kill, despite being 29th in the league on penalty kill. I know the last month or so, they've the numbers are a little better, and they're a little bit weighted from the beginning of the, the season. The looked a lot better. But but what I'm saying is, even even if it's good, Carolina's number two exactly. on the power play, and you take four penalties against yep. them, and the last penalty was Roman Yossi, and I was like, oh my God, your best defender's going out. You've already been asking to get to get hit with the uh, power play goal number four of the night. I cannot believe uh, Carolina didn't score on that one, but I just meant the Preds are asking for it. If you yeah. take that many penalties against a team this skilled, you can't afford to do it. I think it was in the first couple minutes we took a penalty and I tweeted out. I was like, yep, can't go to the box that early because like you, first of all, you're killing momentum. Like that's just, that's it. You're killing momentum regardless. Yeah. Even if you don't get scored on, you're probably not scoring. Okay. Let's just be that, honest. That was the, uh, to me, that was the turning point. It was about momentum. And once I saw the best player on the ice for the National Press, once he was sitting in the box, I'm like, all right, I mean, they're they, done. They they're done minutes mentally. in the box, almost half yeah, a period. They're almost done. Almost half of a period, you were on the penalty kill. And that's the thing. Like, you were able to do it, but at the same time, too, you, it's like playing with fire. You're going to get bit eventually. You're going to get burnt. Um, and then on the flip side, too, our power play looked terrible. So it's like, it, it, it's one of those... That's why you have Tolvin it in. Like I, I here's the deal. And this this is the thing. Forsberg on one side and Tolvin on the other gave basically the defense meant they have no good option. So you either defend Forsberg or you defend Tolvin and someone is open. Okay. That that's been the thing too. Like, and by the way, uh Forsberg was injured during the stretch where the power play kind of dried up a little bit and it was just Tolvin and Tolvin still so it, it's a one-two combo. I, I mean, that it really is. And it's one of those things that, why would you not have that on the ice? Because before, when we got a, when we got a penalty, or a penalty drawn, and we were going to the power play, you know, for the last several years, we'd kind of just been like, oh, whatever, we're not going to score, because we've been really terrible. But when Tolvanen started to actually make his statement on the power play, Every time we took a penalty, guess what? Matt's over here. He's like, oh, baby, it's time. It's Tolvi time. Like, yeah. it, it's ready to go. Like, you actually had some energy, like, and there was some juice going on in the building. Like, everyone could feel like I I was expecting something really good on the power play because guess what? We actually had a person who could generate something on the power play. And you take that out. So, like, last night when we got, when, literally, the first, first power play we got, I was like, Nothing's going to happen. And guess what? Nothing did happen. We couldn't even get the puck into the zone. Like, that, that was my whole thing. Like, you took away the best thing that you gave to the power play in years. Like, 
literally in like three years of the penalty, uh, of the power play for the Preds. He is the best thing that has happened to the power play in three years, and you took it away. I'm sorry, I rest my case. I, like, I, I'm done. I, you can tell I'm fired up about it, but I had no, like, they pulled a penalty, I'm like, whatever, you can just turn off, go to another, I'll, I'll flip over to the other game, because they're not going to score. They're literally not going to score. And, like, you're telling about my reaction, like, I yeah. know 100% Matt agrees with me on this. Yeah, this is I, I agree. I agree. You can't sit such a critical talent. And and you look at what was, I think it was the second period, the Preds went like 10, 12 minutes without a shot on that. I think they only had six shots on that that whole period. You're going for such a, an extended dry spell in the shooting column. You need your offensive weapons. It'd be different if you want to add some physicality, if these are two teams that are going to go the distance and are heavy hitters and you're wanting to... No, you got to focus on getting some shots on that, getting your power play specialists working to give you an advantage because the special teams... If, if anything, if teams are dead even five on five, you have a man advantage on the power play. If you can't capitalize on that opportunity, then you don't have a chance beating a team that's better than you five on five. You have to take exactly. the spot when you have it. But exactly. So I don't understand sitting, you know, that's your best chance to win a game. And, uh, and, and it's a double-edged sword. You're sitting your best weapon on the offensive power play, and you're also shooting yourself in the foot by asking to get scored on by taking penalties. It goes both ways. Yeah, yeah, th- that's something that's going to have to be there for the Preds moving forward. Because, like you said, uh, if you have a 10-minute stretch where you don't have a shot on goal and then you somehow happen to draw a penalty, guess what? You need to capitalize on that. Like, that needed to be your chance to 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 get one up. And by the way, and that would have been in the second period, so you would have actually gone into the third up a goal, which would have changed the dynamic. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's so funny, like momentum hockey, like it, it it swings back and forth, but it changes the way they attack. And going into the in, into that last period, even it basically let the Hurricanes kind of play loose, if that made sense, like yeah. wide open. They well, were wide open in the third period because they could be, and like that's the that's the one thing that I'm like, I'm sorry, you got to be able to capitalize on it, and I I better see Tolvanen. Like I said, I. I if I do not see him for game two, I'm going to lose my mind. Like, I, I'm going to lose it. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah. That's the crap that makes me want to fire John Hines, that kind of decision like that. And again, to the mentality aspect, you know, you're starting to see, I think even if it's not out, outright spoken, the frustration from the from the players, you go in a third period down, how many penalties are they taking in the third period? Uh, you know, at least two I think was third period alone, you're starting to see the frustration kind of comes to a boiling point and then you start playing behind the eight ball and you start kind of making it worse for yourself. So if you just had, if you were able to cash in when the time was right, you'd be singing a different tune possibly. So that was not the start the Predators wanted. I think if anything, they would have liked to steal game one to try to give them a a, a chance to think that maybe they can do this. So I don't know how it's going to look going forward. Yeah, and that said, you know, they got to regroup. They got to make the lineup decisions for game two, and hopefully they can and can steal that. I mean, because they realistically need to steal one on the road. Um, I, it's just going to be so difficult not getting one on the road because Carolina definitely has the ability to beat us on our home ice too. So it's like, you, you need to get one of these first two. Um, we'll see what Hines' decisions make, and we'll see how high my blood pressure is tomorrow, probably about four hours before the, the game because like, like I said, four hours before the game the other night, I about lost it. But, on to some happy, like I, I got it. We got to end the episode a little happy. So the final game of the season, Kyle, we got to recap that one because it was a little special for many reasons. Uh, as we know, 
this is Pecorine's final year on his contract currently. He has no formal plans from what he has said <laughs> about his future, and he hasn't really thought about it very much. You know, obviously, he, the Preds want him. They would love to sign him back for another year or two or just, do, you know, back up because basically his role has changed this year. And I think we can all agree, like, Saros has earned the starting position. He's been phenomenal. He was literally one of the best goalies in the best goalie in the league since March. Um, that said, that final game, man. It was emotional. It was emotional was like, let me, it was a tearjerker. Like, cause it, like, when you start seeing some of the great players in the game, you know, like, and Matt relives some of these memories with some of his Detroit favorites. Those last games, you know, like it's one down, like the greats, like you're, the the franchise staples. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I got super emotional last that last game. Like seriously, it was on the crouch, like almost like bawling at at one point. But basically, it what looked like probably the final dance for Pecorine. It did. I mean, watching all that afterwards during the game, you know, I was thinking. I think this is it. I think he's going to retire. Do I want to retire? Absolutely not. I would love for him, like I said, Daniel, to be a backup next year for just a one final year. But I just think this is it. this is it. He's not going to come back next season. Well, you know, I sometimes it's, it's interesting the multi perspectives we have. And I mentioned this to my wife, and she was like, uh, she was like, oh, him coming back and be you know backup to Soros uh, to the other guy. She's like, no, a star goalie like that. She's like, he he's the best guy in your franchise. I really don't think a star goalie comes back and plays second fiddle for the franchise that he made famous almost. And I was Seriously. like, you know, that's a, that's a really good point, and uh, I I really have to agree with that. They said, but I then think on his, the flip side, he's like really a team player too. So it's one of those like, oh, it's so difficult. And do you to really, set it up though? To set it up though. The thing that started this was the Finnish newspaper. Let's let's rewind a little bit because have you heard this, Matt? Uh, no. So this is what started the conversation, and this is kind of what led up to them making it Pecorine Day, the last day, um, almost as like a just in case it was his last game. You know what I mean? Like it, it was almost kind of weird because he still. I mean, in the press game post conference, he said. That he has not made a decision. He literally hasn't thought about it because we're literally about to go to the playoffs now. So it's one of those like we're not going to know for another several months, and the Preds are definitely going to try to resign him. Okay, like that's that's where we're at. We know where we're at. But the team in Finland that he actually started his junior career out of, and where he developed when the Preds drafted him, reached out to him about signing a contract. Oh yeah, he's done, bro. And that was the biggest thing that started the conversation as far as like because. I mean, here's the deal. I'm not going to be mad if he wants to go off to F- Finland again and play for his first team. Like, okay. That's like, his homeland, yeah, bro. Yeah, like, who's going to deny the man that? Okay, like, that's what started it. And basically, leading up to this, we get into this game, and first of all, I'm sorry, he pitches a shutout. Like, and when I mean, like, a shutout, he was an animal. Like, it was, like, he was everywhere. Like, some of these saves that we were making... It was vintage Pekka, and you're sitting there, and you're just like, can he pitch a shutout? Like, and this, is this really going to be how he does? And he, sure enough, comes out and, like, delivers what only, like, he can. You know, like, I, I'm thinking back to, like, you know, like, Kobe's last game. He dropped 60 points. Like, here, here's Pekka, the best finished goaltender of all time, literally all time. He has made Nashville, like Matt said. Basically, I, I, I mean, 
he took over, and then basically that started the trend of Nashville getting good and actually making the playoffs consistently. We have seven straight years of making the playoffs, second longest street tied with Washington behind Pittsburgh. Why do you think that's possible? Well, Pekka, like, he literally has built this frame. I mean, he's literally yeah. the first jersey that's going to get put in the rafters. Like, if yeah. you think greatest predator of all time and most loved, it is Pekka, and yeah. you could see it that night. I was trying to make in my mind to make a comparison to how much how well loved Pecorini is compared to other greats. And I have to think, you know, compared to Shea Weber, I'd say Pecorini oh, is at least triple as important to franchise as Shea Weber. Shea Weber didn't do anything compared to Pecorini. I would say most people's probably first jersey they got was a Pecorini jersey. And and I will say, you know, the goalies can't be official captains, but they fill a unique role, even though they're not allowed to be official captain. I think Pecorino was kind of the unofficial captain for the Predators franchise, you know. But here's the deal, too. Like, go back to, like, Red Wings. Let me put yourself in your, like, your team shoes. Like, you know, you're, I know you're definitely like the Preds, but it's one of those, like, the Red Wings are your first team. Think about some of the greats on that team. And when they retire, first of all, you're probably like, do I need to get some tissues like for you? Because I mean, it's emotional thinking like some of these guys retiring and going. I mean, you have Eisman, you got. I mean, who who's like some of those staples too for the Red Wings? And you're, I mean, you, Gordy yeah, Howe, Gordie obviously, Howell, you, Del Vecchio, yeah, Ted Lindsay. You you can go on with them. Yeah. So if you think Pekka's probably like the Gordy Howe of our organization, because well, I, no. no he really is because first of all, your organization is way older than ours. Ours is only twenty five years older. Okay, like like twenty five years old. So if you think about it, Pekka's been there for basically like oh, half. That's an interesting he's, comparison. He's yeah. been basically there for half of our yeah. organization, and as I said, like that, Gordy was there basically through you know and kind of built the Red Wing. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like you have several of those great players that come along the way, especially I mean, like in the Red Wings history, there's just more of them because it's been around a lot longer that said pekka is one of them i i mean like by far and when he pitches that shutout and you get that very much i mean like literally during the game like the crowd's chanting one more year you like just you know like pekka 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 and like he's sitting there like tapping his heart to the crowd he's literally crying during one of the like tv timeouts like and then we get to the end and he has like this lap and everything and all the like literally it was super emotional because like all the guys too that were benched that night resting came down. They're all dressed in their suits. They're all hugging him. It was, it was a very special night for a Preds fan. As someone who has basically just watched him play basically since I was a child, it was very emotional to watch. Um, because I, I mean that, that could very well be his last game. And if it is, he went out, on an incredible, absolutely incredible game. And what an incredible record, like, as far as just a finished goaltender. Like, he's one of the best all time. He will go down in history as the, you know, the best predator of all time right now. I, I mean, that that is how it is. And it probably won't be another one like him for another 20, 30 years. Um, might as well just put a statue up in front of Bridge, Bridgestone because, like, I saw somebody tweet that out because I was laughing because I'm like, that's something that they probably will do eventually um, because he did really build the franchise. But, I, I mean, what an emotional night. And it was definitely special to watch. So, Well, they say he's got no plans going forward. He hasn't made any concrete decision yet, but that's, that's a still a team answer. You know, he's going to say that even if he has made up his mind. But my question is, 
does it seems like you know Nashville had Pecorino night. They had everybody chanting for him. But I wonder is does Pekka even does he even thinking about retirement or is he like do you guys expect me to be going somewhere? The, like so the best part was uh, Duchesne in the press conference afterwards. He was laughing because he's like. Pekka's one of my favorite teammates of all time. And he's like, I've only been here a few years now, like, you know, just a few seasons. And he said he literally is one of the best. He, he said he could literally have done nothing hockey-wise, like stat-wise, and he would still be one of his favorites just because of how good of a person he is. And then he said, it's going to be really funny when you sign that one-year contract and we have to do this again in yeah. 82 games, <laughs> yeah. which I, I was like, what a great, what a great comment from, from Duchesne on that. I will say we put a poll up on Twitter uh, asking our fans and listeners, uh, do we think Pecorini's done or has he got one more run? And it was fairly even split. It was split. 55% said he's got one more in him. So it's a pretty much a coin toss as far as what the fans think. So we'll have to see going forward. I don't know. When's the last time you cried from when uh, a Red Wings retired? Do you remember? I don't. I do not remember. I don't cry Cronwall, very many tears. Cronwall? Yeah, that hurt bad. Yeah, it's got to be the last one. <laughs> I think yeah. it was Cronwall because yeah. I remember he's that the one. last great. To I remember go. that like Matt was like, "Oh, this is gonna." Suck I, for I me. love Cronwall so much. I took Cronwall a uh, jersey picture as my wedding day in my wedding in my wife's wedding dress. It's completely adorable. Yeah, yeah, that's how much we love Cronwall. I, knew, I was trying to remember which one it was the last time for for Matt and the Red Wing, and it was Cronwall. And th but that's the thing too. Like it's so. It's so tough to see some of those greats retire, but at the same time, too, like, you know, like, the torch has to be passed at some point. Um, but, man, what a great game. And, like I said, got to end on a high note after getting amped up about Heinz's uh, coaching decisions because that nearly killed me the other day. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we could end this episode yeah. on, the, on a high note. So, Matt, you got any stats to wrap us up before we go? Yeah, a few things I'll mention here. I'd like to give a hat tip to uh, this bypass this last week. I think it was during an off week, but TJ Oshie comes back after his dad passes away, and the game he comes back, he gets a freaking hat trick, bro. Talk about a hat tip and stick taps to TJ Oshie. That is awesome. You always love to root for a guy that's got personal stuff going on in his life, so that was that was incredible. The whole you know arena pretty much had tears watching him get a hat trick. So. That was a crazy game because that was the Wilson game. Oh, yeah. Where... Yeah, so I was like, it was a yin and yang thing. Yeah, that's it was true. Like, that's true. Yeah, so yeah, man, what an emotional moment, though. So we were speaking earlier about how dominant uh, McDavid was this year. There's actually been six players that have won their point race by a margin of twenty or more. I think uh, McDavid's was thirty-four points. Actually, it wouldn't be thirty-four points because he had dry saddle beneath him, but it was at least more than twenty. And uh, Gretzky did this eight times, and his margin over the next best player was 52. And so if Carter McDavid only beat, I think Dreisaitl, he beat him by maybe 22. So uh, Gretzky actually over doubled that mark on an average, which I thought was incredible. You also look at uh, Phil Kessel played in his 900th straight game, and Patrick Marlowe played in his 909th straight game together. And that's the first time two players with current 900 straight uh game streaks have ever played against each other in all four major sports in North America. And uh, I will also say Zdeno Chara is the seventh player age 44 years old to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs, which is incredible to see him still doing it, still taking it. And I will lastly end off with my boy, Marc-Andre Fleury, first yep. goalie in history to play 15 straight, straight years on the playoffs. Years, man. I saw that pop up the other night. I'm just like, that's crazy. Like, what a great career. My man.
I mean, what a great career. First, what a great game one for him. But he's he's still kicking, too. Like 15 straight seasons, man. All right, so Daniel, got any games coming up for us? Yeah, Carolina, 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 and Carolina, <laughs> and try to win one, at least for my bracket's sake, so I can get Canes in five. Um, no, uh, just a quick update, too. The Penguins-Islanders game is 2-0 to zero currently, so uh, still holding strong for the Penguins, but... The Lightning are up 2-0 to zero right now on the Panthers. Big warning sign right now because that means they could drop potentially both their home games against the Lightning. That is not a team that you want to go behind in the series on, and Stamkos scored. So uh, the fact that they got Stamkos and Kucherov back and that they're firing, not really liking our picks, fellas, because we all picked the Panthers. So... Uh, I think uh, I would want that one back. Well, I will say, I got my Canucks jersey on. I'm rooting for the Canucks against the Flames tonight, and it looks like the Canucks did it. They they bested <laughs> the Flames, if anybody cares about those couple teams that are still playing regular season they games. They still got another one tomorrow, right? Yeah, <laughs> they, they got do. one more. So I'm still repping uh, my teams that are that are out, but uh, not forgotten, boys. Let's go. No, this is for lotto picks. Let me tell you, <laughs> this is for the real deal. And I guess on that note, guys, we will wrap it up for the day. If you like the show, you can follow us at Music City Gold on Twitter or you can find us on Penalty Box Radio. And until next time, guys, we will see you on the ice. You've been listening to Music City Gold on the Penalty Box Radio Network. We'd love to interact with you on Twitter. The show can be found at Music City Gold. You can find Kyle at Kyle Hancock, Daniel at Steve Dan Drum, and Matt at MattBain31. Past episodes of the show can be found by subscribing to Music City Gold or Penalty Box Radio on iTunes or at PenaltyBoxRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the ice.